Hallelujah. I want to preach to you today about I am rich. Say this, I am rich. Hallelujah. One more thing. I am rich. Praise God. Now we learned last week that there are two types of currency in the world. One is a physical type, which has to do with money, with goods, dry goods, materials, uh, transportation, and so forth. And all has to do with money. Has to do with money. A currency is the medium of exchange. In other words, it's something that you use to exchange for something desired. Now, when we talk about our currency, we have a currency of the kingdom of God. Our currency is basically a threefold currency, and they work in harmony one with another. The first type of currency is love. Nothing in the kingdom of God works without love. You have to love your enemies, love your neighbor, love your spouses, love your kids, love, you know, your in-laws. You got to love everybody. Hallelujah. And if you don't, then you will not come to the place of any divine exchange. Jesus said that they'll know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. And if you don't have any love for another brother, whether you agree with him or not, you are not Hitler, you are not Stalin, you are not your fifth grade teacher. You do not have to have everybody agree with you. Could I get an amen? They are not your enemies because they don't agree with you. Because in the long range of time, you may be the dumb one. Yeah, I've been on the dumb side of right too many times. I thought I was right, and I discovered I wasn't. Did you tell the people? Absolutely not. <clears throat> but... The first thing we have to do is love. Love accepts people at face value. No matter where they are, what they're going through, what they've done wrong, what they're involved in, no matter their social standing, their financial standing, their looks or anything else, you love them. And if you don't, then please understand that the currency that makes the kingdom of God function in your life and causes a divine exchange in others from death to life, salvation, will never take place in your life. That's the cold hard fact. The second part of the currency that we have, we have a currency of faith. Faith. Love is our motivator. Faith is the power to bring it to pass. So faith is something that you and I have to have. Now, faith in the world that we live in right now is very self-centered. It is usually only used for my family, us four, no more. Or it's only used for the things that we want. Our faith is very seldom stirred 
awakened or used because of the miseries of other people. And if you don't use your faith when you see needs, hear about things, or, uh, you know, get reports of what's going on in the world and, and things of that nature, if that doesn't move you, then the motivator of love has already got off track and your faith is never going to work and that threefold currency is never going to bring about a divine exchange. Just won't do it. Sometimes we talk about these things and we think that they're, uh, you know, just subject matters, titles. No, this is real kingdom life. And if you don't love, it's not going to work for you. Let me say this. If you don't love, you may miss heaven. Oh, but I'm a Christian. Well, if you don't love, you're a dead one. You are a dead Christian. I don't mean to make you mad, but I do want to wake you up. I'm just telling you, you know, the beer commercial said it better than most Christians. You got one life to live. You better get it right. And so, if you don't love and you're not moved by that, then there's something wrong with your motivator. How can we see people live in misery and not be moved by the use of our faith to help them? The third part of the kingdom currency is obedience. Somebody say obedience. That simply means that what you know, you should do. And if any of those parts of your currency is broken down, the kingdom will not work for you. Doesn't mean that God doesn't will it. I didn't say that. Don't add to what I'm saying. I'm telling you, it won't work. Obedience is something that when you hear you do. And if you are not a doer of the word, then you are self-deceived. And you don't need the devil to help you to bring you to a destructive end. You're headed there by yourself under your own power and because of your own deception. When you see something in the Bible, you need to put it to work. The Bible is not memorization. The Bible is discovery and imp, uh, in a, what do you call it, uh, in, inputting or in implementation. In other words, whatever you find, you got to start living. And if you don't want to live it, stop looking. Because we are going to be accountable. They say, I thought you were talking about us getting rich. I am. But we don't want to miss what God has for us. And sometimes we as Christians are so, uh, what I want to say it, spongy. You know, I, I, there's probably not one Sunday that I've ever went home that somebody didn't say to me, well, do you know they, that, that was kind of hard? I said, okay, well, how would you have me to say it? Sing it with Mary Poppins' music in the back? If you want somebody 
just to tickle you, you got to find somebody else. I'm not in the tickling business. I'm in the truth business. And I preach the truth, and you don't have to see my personality. If my personality bothers you, then your love is not blind enough. Did you hear me? You're right. And so we as Christians all the time are so watered down that I, I mean, you know, I have people tell me, well, you know, you just preached over their head today, Pastor. I said, how could I preach over their head? I got it. <laughs> now, now, buddy, you've got to be a low caliber of intellect to miss what I got. I'm not a whiz. Uh, I'm not an intellectual wizard. I, I'm not some knowledgeable scientist undercover. I am just an individual person that has enough sense to believe the Bible. And once I see it, I'm not going to add to it. So we have two currencies. One is a spiritual currency. One is a natural currency. And we are rich. Somebody say, we are rich. And to prove that, let's go to Philippians 4, 13. We are rich. Now, I do believe that people live well below the richness of what God has put into their life. Well below. And that is one of the reasons of the lack of vision, the lack of champions, the lack of conquerors in the body of Christ. So, in Philippians 4.13, we all know this by heart if you've been saved two hours, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now think what it said, I can do all things. Paul gets a revelation that there is no place in his life that there is a lack or insufficiency of anything. Now remember the word wealth, rich, simply means the ability to have more than enough. It just means to have an excess. And so Paul says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Not he that's going to strengthen me, he that strengthens me. You already have been endowed with the strength of Jesus Christ in your natural life. And so we are rich in wisdom, rich in understanding, rich in authority, rich in power. We are rich. Somebody say, I'm rich. Nothing can stop me nor hinder me. Come on. Nothing can stop me nor hinder me. If you fail as a Christian, then you have not done all that you should have done. See, it's not God's fault for failure. It's our neglect to pursue it. 
Well, I fell one. Get up, you got six more times. A righteous man falls seven times. Get yourself up. Quit crying. Wipe yourself off and put your foot back in front of yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Now, the second scripture I want to point you to is 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now, that has to do the, that what we just read in Philippians 4.13. We are rich. We have sufficiency, and we can do all things. Somebody say all things. All things you have been empowered or infused with. Now, that is yours, folks. Oh, but, uh, you know, if that was just real. It is real. Come out of Peter Pan world. It is real. This is not mysticism. It's not magical. It's not Disney. Come on. This is not Harry Potter. This is God. So we can do all things. And then Philippians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Says these were, well, we'll look at verse 9. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. So he had sufficiency. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower. Both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, what does that mean? That means that there is an increase and abundance in a seed. Now, it's talking about finance. And if you read it on down, it says the reason that God does this is that you and I could have sufficiency to abound unto every good work. So God has already given us the formula. The word will work if you work the word. If you doubt it, it will fail you. But if you take the seed that you have, how big does it have to be? I don't know. How big do you have? Then you sow that seed. That seed has come from the hand of the Father. He giveth seed to the sower, and then he multiplies the seed that is sown. So we are rich in kingdom currency, but we are also, or we can be, rich in mammon or earthly. Come on, earthly currency. So we have to be able to manage both. Right? Have to be able to manage both. And don't doubt that you are rich in the kingdom of God. You have a sufficiency to do everything. I'm telling you, you have it. Well, I wish I just told you you have it. Well, I'd like to, I just told you you have it. You know, if you got it, it's on aisle three, go get it. 
Now, don't doubt what God said. Amen? Just when you're in that situation, call on God. And He will break forth in you. All right. <clears throat> now, let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 6, 5. Now, I kind of want to look and talk to you about this. Money without a purpose. What is money without a purpose? Useless. Useless. Because when you die, somebody's going to spend it on somebody else. I told Phyllis, I, I'll tell you what, I'm outliving her to make sure she don't spend my money on somebody I'm just not too fond of. Yes, absolutely. You think I want to finance her uh, pool boy? Are, are you kidding me? I don't want her laying around in the Bahamas, amen, drinking virgin daiquiris and, in, and enjoying the view. Five of them in a line. Are you kidding me? I don't want that. I don't mind doing it, but I don't want her to do that. I don't want her to be so tempted, praise God, that it won't do her any good. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Timothy 6, 5 says this. Perverse disputers of men of corrupt mind, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Now understand that wealth does not have to do with everything about godliness. There are lots of wicked people that are wealthy. Amen? And there are lots of bad-intentioned people in the body of Christ. You have to judge them and know them. And it says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we carry nothing out. So whatever we're going to do with our currency has to be done now in this lifetime. Because once we die, we don't take titles and houses and mortgages to heaven with us. Amen? You came in buck naked and you're going, you might be ten times bigger, but you're going buck naked. And it says this, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And if they will that be rich, all fall into temptation. Now this is why we don't want to pursue wealth. We want to pursue God through the currency of the kingdom, love, faith, and obedience. And then when these things come, they really have no power to influence us. Amen? You don't want something that has power to influence you. It's too dangerous. And it says, you fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts and drown men in destruction and perdition. Drown them. That means it kills them. And the love of money, somebody say the love of money, not the use of money, not the accumulation of money, the love of money. The love of money is very deceptive. It brings us in and it gives us this false illusion of safety. There is no safety 
in what man can make out of a tree. And then it, it says these, uh, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. Notice following riches, wanting riches, wanting to have more is a way that you are going to hurt your faith. And you're going to pierce yourself through with many sorrows. So be careful. Seek first the kingdom of God. His way of doing right and all these things will be added unto you. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give you this charge in the sight of God that who quickeneth all things before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only potent King of kings and Lord of lords. Now wealth has dangers with it. So it's not that we should not desire it. We should desire it in order to do godly things, to do good works. Could I get an amen? That is a currency of love, faith, and obedience is a currency that will bring you to the place of fruitfulness. Now, in this passage of Scripture, it warns us that there are dangers, but do you know what? God's not afraid of the dangers. He warns you about them, but he never ever took away your ability to accumulate wealth. It's God that gives you the power to get wealth because God has a purpose behind wealth. Now, if you get wealth and neglect God's purpose, then you will fall into these things that have just been listed. Oh, well, well, I'll be able to handle it. Look, listen, without God, you're no match for a little weenie devil, let alone the devils that protect wealth realms of a hundredfold. You, you're, you're not going to deal with them. It's only love, faith, and obedience that can break those ranks. Now, uh, so in this passage of Scripture, if we have a wrong understanding of wealth and all we think about is just having, well, I'll be safe, you know, I'm going to retire, and I'll be taken care of. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. What you want to do is put your faith in God. Because if you're a self-provider, you will erode your faith, you will fall into snares and temptations and foolish lust, and you will start declaring, this is what I will do. In other words, when you become a self-provider, you begin to exclude God from your life. So, and then in verse 9 it says, God gives us wealth 
to enjoy. Look at verse 9. <clears throat> but they that will be rich fall into temptation and into many foolish and hurtful lusts would drown men and perish, for the love of money is the root of all evil. While some have coveted, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through. But thou, O man, seek after these things. Now let me tell you something about doing or using riches. In verse 19 it says, Lay up in store for themselves a good foundation against the times to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. See, our currency is love, faith, and obedience. The world's currency that God gives us power to accumulate its currency produces or makes an exchange of money to good deeds. Come on, money to good works. And that's important. So, God gives us wealth to enjoy. And then if you look at verse 17, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You know God does not have a problem with you enjoying stuff. What he has is a problem that when you start enjoying it, you forget who positions you to do so. And that's what we do. We start forgetting God. So, when we begin to trust in God, our faith is sure. And God wants us to lay up in store good things that will go before us, before our life, and will be stored in heaven that you and I will receive a reward for. So money can be used to waste, or money can be used for purpose. Money without purpose is not what God intended. Behold, I give you power to get wealth that I may establish my kingdom. Now look, if we are really Christians, then we should have a purpose of establishing the kingdom of God. Amen? We need to be actively engaged in turning things in this world into a divine connection with God. The currency that we have spiritually and the currency that we have materially. Now, we understand that these things will help you and I if we labor with the Lord, we will be faithful in little things and he'll make us ruler over many. Amen? Money is the currency of this world. We as Christians cannot be moved by it because it's not just money that's a medium to the greater good of things in life, but it's to be a medium to establish the kingdom of God. Money is a tool. Somebody say a tool. It is a tool. It is given by God.
to faithful believers who have become stewards of money given to them to make an exchange for man's soul that is dead, but in exchange to life. That's what money is to be used for. Amen? All right. Now, as we can get caught into false safeties about money, when we become self-providers, we must protect ourselves from doing anything without faith. Amen? Absolutely. You know, you've, I've heard people, hundreds of them say, well, this is my money, I made it. Well, what if God inhaled and you just died? I could take your money and cash your check. And it no longer would be yours. Realize really who God is and who we are. Amen? We are the recipients of eternal life, not the givers of it. All right. Money, wealth, and riches are proving grounds for our lives, and the use of it simply reflects where our true love lies. Men, if you have money to give your wife something, you old chintzy skin bag you, you ought to give it to her. If she only made a dollar a day, you owe her buku money. Besides the fringe benefit. Yeah. Phyllis called me and she said, Honey, I found this coat for $49. I said, Yeah, what are you calling me for? Oh, can I get it? I say, Do you have money? Yes. Then I gave you money to get it. Now, she never asked me, Do you have money? She knows. But, Really, you know what? I want Phyllis to look as good as she can. She's not in here. And she's not going to listen to live streams. So I'll just tell you, she needs help. She's, she's 70 years old. I super glue stuff back in place at night. But I'll tell you what, super glue is not the answer it wears off and breaks down. And every once in a while, she'll be walking, I'll see a little piece go, whoop. Then I have to re-glue that that night. Now look, I'm just telling you that money that can make people happy. Well, she don't have to have everything. Well, why do you complain about the way she looks? Why do you look at other people that look nice? Because you're a cheapo. Give her some money. She'll turn your head. Amen? All right. Never, I, I won't, God. I'd like to, but I'm not going to. Absolutely not. I love for Phyllis to bring clothes home. Why? She tries them on. And what's so exciting about that? You've got to take the others off. I'm just telling you, men, wise up. Okay. All right. Our use of finances 
in this world reflects our love for God, our brethren, and even for the world. Even for the world. Currency, money, should be soul-oriented for the kingdom of God. Nothing more valuable than a soul. What would a man give for a soul? And then, if you look at, let's go to Luke 14, 12. Luke 14, 12. Money can lay up treasures in heaven when it's used for the right medium to win souls. Some of you are going to get to heaven and you've given into crusades and you're going to have so many. Well, I guess there'll be legal aliens up there, but there'll, there'll be so many on your front yard, you'll think, man, oh man, where did God put us? He put you right into the heart of those that you won to Christ. That's where you'll be. Now, in uh, Luke 14, 12, and it says, And he said also unto him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and recompense be made unto thee. But when thou makest a feast, Call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense you, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. The resurrection of the just. What is money to be used for? To reach out to those that can't bless you back. Amen? How many of us have really thought about bringing people and saying, hey, look, I want you to eat with me. I want you to sit down with me and make a meal. Do something that is big enough to touch others. That is using our currency on earth for kingdom purposes. I tell you, man, the thank yous and the praise, the wind is so strong. It just, wow. Philippians 4, 10 through 11, Paul says, I thank you that your love for me has abounded again and you sent to me again in Macedonia. Do you know that your money that you make by the skills that God gave you and the money that you extract out of this world system by love, faith, and obedience through seed sowing is to empower you so that you can support missionaries and people that probably will never get a job done unless you help them. That's to be one of our purposes. Amen? We are to be mindful of people. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, 8. 1 Corinthians 9, 8. I know you're getting a lot of scripture today, but there is a lot about money. Luke 16, remember the rich man that fared sumptuously and he had a little poor man. 
that was covered with boils laying outside of his house. You know, that guy was so arrogant, he wouldn't even let the rich man eat out of his dog's bowls. All he did was allow them to lick his sores. And when he got to hell, he lifted up his eyes. He had never managed his money, the currency, to come up with a place of exchange on the behalf of another. God doesn't look on that lightly. We need to be involved in people's lives. Amen. First, first Corinthians, the ninth chapter and verse 8. And it says, Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle thou the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care of the oxen? Or saith he this altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If ye have sown unto you, spirit, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, how a great a matter is it if we should reap of your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, nor suffered, but suffered all things least we should be a hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that that which ministers about holy things live by the things of the temple, and they which walk, work at the, wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they that preach the gospel should live by the gospel. One of the reasons that we are blessed with currency to make divine exchanges is to support those that work in the ministry. Well, I don't think it, we didn't ask you to think. In fact, I'm worthy of double honor. In other words, I ought to be making twice as much as you. Well, I don't think that's right. I, I do more than you. Whose life do you live? You don't do more. You'll jump up and follow me. Have, have lunch at 9 o'clock in the morning because you've been up for five hours. Oh, come on, give me a you, you don't even know what I do. And believe me, it's priceless. Because you can't afford an hourly wage for me. I offered to change places with Donald Trump. He said, absolutely not. I make more than you. So, hallelujah. Now, let's go to Haggai, and then we're going to quickly... Man... Yep, we got to hurry up, travel. Let's go to Haggai. Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 3, Galatians 6, 6 says that if somebody teaches, preaches to you, that you are to communicate or to give 
back to that man that has sowed what God has given him. So we got to make sure that we are always honoring people that are putting something into our life. Amen? All righty. Where are we at? Yeah. Haggai. Haggai with an I. Haggai. Do I have that on there? Nope. Nope. Okay, they're saying, you're yeah, right, you're on your own. I'm telling you. Haggai, hey, forget you, I praise God, I ain't going back there. Haggai, hey, one and starting in three. Then came the word of the Lord to Haggai, the prophet, saying, it is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, yet you have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. You clothe you, and therefore it is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring down wood, build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be and glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. What saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Now this is a double reflection. First of all, God wants us to have nice houses. But we are not to let the house of God go. Amen? I've been in churches where there's dirt on the carpet and the place is filthy, the bathrooms are dirty. I don't like that. If I have a service, this church gets clean. Every place, every place is dirty. Hallelujah. I, I want it to be clean. I want it to represent God. Amen? Praise God. And then, I want you to realize 1 Corinthians 9, 10, here's what money is given to us for. To make provision for our family. Essentials. That is a part of good stewardship. If you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. That means someone that doesn't believe in God. But God gives you money. Provision for your family. Provision for a house. For clothes. For shoes. Education. As well as for an inheritance. A righteous man layeth up for his generation and generation. Well, we are to be good stewards of that money, but it's always to be accessible to God. Right? Amen. Money supplieth the essentials of life. Deuteronomy 2, 26-29, God gave Israel money in Egypt, and they were going through a land, and they needed water for their families and for their cattle. God said, buy water from them. 
those nations wouldn't sell it to them. God ultimately destroyed those nations. But they had money to do so. Money to do so. Deuteronomy 14, 26, this is just a kicker. It says, I give you money to buy the things that you lust for. I found that last night, I told Phyllis. Right there's why we have money, to buy the things that I lust for. She said, now honey, that's not what that means. I said, it's in the eye of the beholder. Everybody else writes their version of the Bible, I'm writing mine. Matthew 6.25 says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things, all these things, all these things will be added unto you. You are rich, friend. You are supernaturally provided for by God. And there is nothing that you can't do, David. Nothing. You can do anything. And the money that God gives you the power to extract from this world is for you to honor him, take care of his house, but to enjoy life. Amen. To enjoy life. I don't know what you call enjoying life. Maybe it's a Lamborghini. Is that your idea of enjoyment, John? No? Oh, man, I, well, I miss God. He was telling me to buy you one, so it, <laughs> never mind. Never, <laughs> you know I'm kidding you, buddy. Hallelujah. So, we are rich. We have two types of currency. Use kingdom currency, and it is in exchange for eternal reward. If you take earthly money, use it for a medium of exchange, you can do kingdom things with it, but you can also bear a good testimony when you pay your bills. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands up towards heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could I have a couple of musicians? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we start singing that song, Ashley? Or, yeah, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the those people sit here isn't he blind never leave before your time 
You think I'm kidding you. Just never leave me for your time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my soul and came into his service you say well I, I just you know I just thought his long service well this pastor came in and he sat like the third aisle back and uh, his name uh, was well, he'll tell you it happened his name was JC Church the man that preached that night walked right back to that pew and said, is there a man named here? His last name is Church. And I said, he just left. He said, okay. And the word of the Lord just disappeared. You spend a whole service waiting for a moment of visitation. We learn, we get faith stirred, and then God comes on the scene to do something. And then God just, okay. Realize we don't live for ourselves. Each and every one of us are here for another. They're here for another. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, stand to your feet today. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Where's Lincoln Waters? Come here, Lincoln Waters. Give me a microphone, Phyllis. I told Lincoln, go over and pray for that blind guy so I wouldn't have to at the end of the service. And he said, no, you go. Didn't you? Yeah, well, there they go. Now, yeah, the guy now at home blind now. Hallelujah. Now, you pray and dismiss us today. All right. Wait, wait, are you passing college? Oh, yeah, I'm passing. Uh, now the mic's on. Hallelujah. All right. Lord, I thank you for uh, this day that we could come into church. And um, aside of all the distractions, Lord, I thank you that we could get something out of this, God, and just um, be more in tune to you and your voice, Lord. I pray that throughout this week we would take what we heard, God, and we would use it and apply it in our lives. And I pray that we would rub off on others, God, that we would just be the light of the world. I thank you for this day. I pray that you just uh, help us get home safe on these roads and for this wonderful snow. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.